Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Keeping it nuanced requires constant effort to see all sides, good and bad, of every position. And that's hard. It also requires you to recognize the successes and failures of every person. And that can be even harder. We're sending you into the weekend with a short discussion on President Obama's achievements and shortcomings on today's edition of The Briefcase. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. So thanks for joining us for another episode of The Briefcase. The t-shirts are in. Uh, I just sent everyone who's already ordered one and all of our fabulous subscribers who got a t-shirt by subscribing. Um, they're all in the mail. So keep an eye out, y'all. They'll be coming in the mailbox soon. And if you haven't ordered one, go quick, especially the gray. We don't have very many of those left. That's kind of a fun way to celebrate what I realized today is our 15th briefcase. And we just recorded our 25th episode, the interview with uh, Kylie Lane Parker. So kind of some fun milestones this week. Definitely. So we also wanted to thank Aaron for bringing our attention to podcast awards. There's sort of a People's Choice Award going on around podcast, and we thank Aaron very much for nominating us. If you would like to cast your vote to support us in those awards, you can go to podcastawards.com. So pretty straightforward. There's just kind of what looks like a ballot sheet on the, the homepage there, and you can just type us in and submit it. So we appreciate that as well well as all of your iTunes ratings and reviews. We know that is such a pain. Um, Every one of them means a ton to us. And we just, it really helps us 
find new listeners, and we appreciate you taking the time to do that. So on today's Friday feedback, we're going to talk about the wage gap, and we're going to discuss President Obama's pros and cons, as suggested by our great listener, Michael. But first, I have a, a couple of things I need to get off my chest, Beth. Um, first of all, I watched Confirmation. Have you watched it yet? I have not. Uh, so good. I'm so mad at Joseph Biden. So mad. <laughs> he has some apologizing to do for the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas hearings and how they were handled by him. I didn't really understand the full story. I feel like between that and the people versus OJ Simpson, it's like a tour through all the things we did wrong in the nineties, which is sort of, um, sad and exhausting, but I'd highly recommend confirmation, although it will leave you angry. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing it. Um, I just haven't made space for it yet. And I also haven't really felt like getting all riled up because I'm sure that will happen for me. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely will. And speaking of riled up, people with the boycotting Target over their open and accepting restaurant restroom policy. The only problem I have with Target is I feel like having a restroom policy validates this argument in a way that I don't think it deserves. I'm losing my nuance about this, people. I cannot talk about the bathrooms anymore. I can't. It's driving me crazy. It's hard for me to understand when bathrooms became such a thing for us. Now, I'll say I have another problem with Target, which is that I cannot get out of there without spending $100, no matter what I need. But Mm -hmm. You can go to the dollar spot and spend $100. You could never never leave the dollar spot and spend $100. It's so true because you think this is so cheap, and so I've got to have it, and my children need it to play with. But... Be that as it may, I've been watching just such hurtful comments being posted on Facebook about this issue. And really, all I want to say to people is, one, why do you care? And two, if there is not someone who you love who is transgender, you just need to be quiet because you cannot imagine what your commentary from the peanut gallery makes people feel. And, and that just, just stop. I said today, I said, I don't know. I told my husband, I said, I don't know who thought up this bathroom thing, but I want to punch them in the face. And that is about it. That's not very nuanced. I understand. But like, this is not a thing. We are. It's not. There are lots of important things we can talk about as we change our definitions of gender. And as we talk about transgender people and their feelings and their journey, there's so much there to discuss. Hard things, things we can work through as a society bathrooms is not one of them it just isn't like oh like this there's this post going around my facebook feed somebody posted to my wall was like what do you think about this and this woman's like i mean her basic argument is there's such transgender people are just such a small person or percentage of the population and isn't it more important to protect women and children from what trans people like what are you talking about she's talking about i don't want my my daughter to see man's genitalia in the public restroom i'm sorry i take kids to a lot of public restrooms and my children have never seen anyone else's genitalia but their own like what are you doing in the public restroom that your kids are seeing the genitalia of other people using the public restroom what is happening i can't take it anymore I mean, I just agree. Like, I don't have very much to add because what is there to say about this? Stop it. Everybody stop it. I can't, I cannot take this bathroom thing one second longer. It's pushing me over the edge. I think this goes to one of the points that we make about a lot of things, which is I understand that you don't like it. You not liking it and you making hateful rules about it doesn't make it go away. It's not like people are no longer going to be transgender because you're making it difficult for them to use a public restroom. It's also not like people are no longer going to use public restrooms 
because of these rules. I mean, you just well, not like, to be what are not you to be to accomplish Stop. alarmist, but there could be fewer transgender people because if you send a trans woman into a men's public restroom, there's an excellent chance they're going to be attacked or harmed. So it's just I can't I can't do it anymore. People with the public restrooms. Like, there's so many important things to talk about. This is not one of them. Well, and that's a point we've made before, too. In addition to the violence against transgender people, um, you know, the, the suicide rates are very yes. high. And I can't imagine that scrolling through a Facebook or Twitter feed and seeing this kind of discussion helps that problem. Is it really that important to you? Is it more important to you to have whatever you're trying to accomplish with the bathroom rules than for people to feel accepted enough to just continue to live in society. I don't know. I just, this is horrible. Well, and this goes to, I made this point earlier to a friend. I said, I don't make laws. You know, she's like, well, what about that one time somebody exploits the law? And I'm like, right, but I don't, I don't think about making laws based on the, the very infinitesimal small chance that somebody will exploit them. Like, I don't think you can create a perfect law or a perfect system. So what I'm trying to do as a pragmatist is make the law that, you know, sort of creates the smallest amount of harm and helps the most amount of people. And that's a balance you have to make. But the idea that, like, somebody somewhere might do something, like, I just don't think that's a good way to make policy. I just don't. Because somebody somewhere is always going to do something you don't like when you bring a new law into effect. I mean, you can't prevent that. So I just, mm. Well, also, there are just things that we shouldn't need laws about. We should Mm -hmm. not need laws about who goes to the bathroom where. We shouldn't. Yeah. No. No. So sorry to derail this briefcase, but I can't take it anymore. Well, so uh, we got two comments that I wanted to touch on about the wage gap, even though I feel like we're maybe dangerously close to belaboring this subject. (laughs) Oh, we are not. We haven't even done a whole show on it. So um, we heard from Lou, who had a lot of interesting comments for us. We really appreciated all of them. The one that I want to pull out to discuss in the briefcase today is he talked about how the argument he hears most often surrounding the wage gap is that women are choosing careers with more flexibility or that involve less strenuous labor, and we should respect their choice. It would be one thing if men and women viewed themselves as equals when it comes to parenting, but as long as they don't, women are probably going to choose lower paying careers on average. I'm not sure how to close the gender pay gap and respect those choices at the same time. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. And I have kind of a lot of them, and I'm sure you do too, Sarah. (laughs) I mean, this reminds me of the lean-in backlash, right? Yeah. And I just... I'm very hesitant to talk about sort of fundamental biological differences between men and women and the life choices they make because I think at the end of the day, the differences between us as individuals is so broad. I don't really think breaking it down by gender does much to help anything because one, all the studies say that men are taking on a more active role in parenting. And two, um, I think you got a chicken and the egg problem here. I just think it's really hard to say women do this in our society as a different from women do this because of our society. I think that women are taught to that their value is in these roles that society has defined for them. And... um that's sort of not to say that there aren't value in those roles. Obviously I work from home. I, I, you know, have much, you know, sort of took, 
um, made some real choices so that I had flexibility and was able to stay home with my children. However, if I lived in Sweden and I never even had to think about that because I would get a year and then um, sort of year home with my baby and then I would get, um, what's the word I want, sort of funded daycare and not have to think about the economics of daycare, I would have made a different choice. I'm confident of that. So I just think it's really difficult to piece apart um, people's motivations and um, I remember reading a, a really great thing once where this woman was, uh, I think it was in the second shift maybe, and she was talking about, or the feminine mistake, talking about couples who made decisions about whose career would co- sort of take back burner. And she was able to find sort of, you know, <laughs> if the male was the teacher, they'd say, or like if the male was the, whatever the, I'm trying to find a good way to find this and I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes but it was like if the male was a teacher they would find justification why they needed to put his career first if the female was teacher they'd find justification for why why her career could take sort of second fiddle and so there was always it was very hard to say like these were really personal values and personal choices because she noticed this pattern of the same justification flipping depending on whether it was the man or the woman talking about it if that makes sense at all I want to challenge the idea that women choose careers with more flexibility than men because I see men in a number of industries and professions. Now, these are admittedly professional jobs in a number of industries with a ton of flexibility. Just no one labels it flexibility. They label it autonomy or something Mm -hmm. like that. But when women need that same flexibility or some version of it, it's called flexibility and it's discussed in terms of her obligations to her children instead of whatever terms we, like, we just don't even talk about it when men exercise the right to go to the gym every day or to play golf in the middle of the day or, or whatever. And I don't, this is not to criticize any of those choices. My point is why, why are flexible positions worth less than inflexible ones. Often flexibility arises because you're in a in a job that requires a, a huge amount of thought and creativity and that requires some space. I just think we recognize that more when a man is taking that space than when a woman is because we immediately go to the mommy issue. And so my feeling is that we're just using different yardsticks for the same phenomenon between men and women and then justifying our wage gap based on that yardstick, if that makes sense. I totally agree. Okay. The other piece of feedback that I wanted to touch on was from Jim and uh, it's very short and I like it a lot and it (laughs) made me smile. So Jim said, Enjoy your show. Your talk today, and especially on family leave and equal pay, seems to me that you're really channeling your inner Democrat. (laughs) So I wanted to just uh, say about that, that one, I think this is part of why I'm a moderate and we do this show, right? But I think part of being able to talk about both religion and politics is, is being willing to walk right into your areas of agreement. And so... Around the wage gap, like, to me, 
recognizing that there is a wage gap, it's sort of like climate change. Like I recognize that the earth is getting hotter. That That's kind of like water is wet to me. And that's how I feel about the wage gap. It just is like research just shows that it exists. So let's walk right into that area of agreement. Now, where I might be uh, less channeling my inner Democrat is that I really struggle to see how a federal solution solves this problem. Frankly, I fail to see how state legislation solves this problem, because I think that well-intended efforts to solve this problem through legislation uh, will yield a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of resentment in the workplace. And I think this is a very old problem resting in very old attitudes and social mm-hmm. norms. And the, the roots of those problems are so deep and so tangled that until we genuinely change people's minds about this stuff, it's going to be. We can make it harder for employers um, and and more complicated in ways that I fear would have unintended negative consequences for women and families. Or we can do the work of changing people's opinions. And so I guess the inner Democrat in me, if if you want to call it that, although I hate to say that we have to be in, in our inner Democrat mode to recognize things that are just true. <laughs> but ha! so, you know, I can say there is a wage gap and there should not be. And then the conservative part of me says what we need to do about that is the work of, of bringing awareness to it and having the conversation and then coming up with innovative private solutions to solve that problem. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Well, and I would say the inter-Democrat, I sort of had a... um breakthrough i was listening to hidden brain an npr podcast and it was about tribe and traitors and it was this really interesting story about israelis and palestinians who had sort of gone out of their way to see the other side of the story and we had another listener send us um, one of my favorite ted talks the um the oh i can't remember the title this what was it beth this the the danger of one story or the threat of a single story or something like that and my favorite quote is, uh, stereoty- stereotypes are not dangerous. It's, stereotypes are not untrue. It's that they're in... The danger of stereotypes is not that they are untrue. It's that they're incomplete. And I was thinking, listening to these people, there was a study and they were talking about um, that Palestinians heard the report and thought that it was unfair to Palestinians and Israelis heard the same report and thought that it was unfair to Israelis. And I could not, not to compare these two conflicts, but I could not help but think of the way that Bernie supporters feel like the media is unfair to Bernie and Hillary supporters feel like the media is unfair to Hillary and how, even though I'm, I try so hard to see all the stories, how in my head I was just thinking, no, they're wrong. That's ridiculous. They're unfair unfair to Hillary. But in truth, right, both stories could be true. It's the paradox. Both things could be true. And, you know, with regards to family and equal pay, I think both things could be true. I think there could be a private solution and a public solution, and we'll probably need both to get there. So going on to seeing both sides of the story, um, our listener Michael gave us what is our main topic for today. He asked, uh, what do each of you view as something that President Obama has done very well during his two terms, as well as something you wish he had done better or more during his time? Then in turn, how do you hope the possible candidates of your parties may continue on something he's done well and do differently or better on the thing that you felt he came up short on? So um, I thought that I could start perhaps on the done well, since that's an odd thing, right, to hear a Republican (laughs) uh, compliment President Obama. So this is going to sound general in a way that I hope doesn't come off as diminishing, because to me, it's actually very important. I think President Obama holds the office of president well. I think he gives great speeches. I think his family is a is a model American family. Um, And not just because they're all stunningly gorgeous, you know, but they just seem like hardworking people who truly care about the country he and his wife seem to have a great relationship. The White House has been gloriously free of bizarre and, you know, unseemly scandals during mm-hmm. his time in office. 
I think that his work on race relations is going to be historically even more significant than we've recognized as it's been unfolding. You know, his speech in Charleston, I think, will be one for the history books. And I can't even begin to fathom the pressure he must feel in being the first black president. And I think he's handled that with a lot of grace. And and of course, with tons of criticism from all sides on that issue. But he seems to really know who he is and stay the course on who he is. And I, I really respect that. I think he's a good diplomat and a good representative for the United States in the world. So th- those are all really big deal things to me. And and I can't take anything away from him on that front. And do you want me to do, go with the, what I think he does well? Yeah, let's do that. Oh, everything. Um, <laughs> I agree. I think that he... His family is amazing, and I really particularly like the way that they have made decisions that really put their children, like protect their children and put their make their children a priority, like having her mom come live in the West Wing, and, you know, they're not moving out of D.C. until Sasha's out of high school, which I think is really, really amazing uh, to make such a big decision about, like, where they're going to live based on not uprooting her. Um, I think that President Obama is really... The careful, thoughtful leader that I really wasn't ever sure was possible in the in the White House level because I always sort of thought, well, they're just so worried about getting reelected that they can't really do the right thing, even if it's unpopular. But I think over and over again, he has done the right thing, facing intense criticism, all nothing short of gridlock in Congress and just really really ugly the what the the thing i most respect about president obama is the way he keeps an optimism i listened to a interview with him and um i think marion i think her name is marion anderson it's the woman that wrote um gilead she's an amazing author and they had this conversation and he was so, he's just so optimistic and ta coates talks about an interaction he had with him where he was basically like don't be so skeptical ta <laughs> like he's just to have somebody who arguably has not had the vitriol directed at him anybody else in the political landscape as much as president obama has that he has kept this optimistic view of the american people and of america's future it's so inspiring to me um i think that he has done some really big scare you know kind of big epic changes particularly with regards to um obamacare that needed to happen and he you know, kept a cool head in foreign policy. I I just think he's, I know he comes off as cerebral at times, but he just is so unswayable. Like you said, he knows who he is. He's confident in his decision-making. And I have such respect for the way that he can maintain that in the position that he's in. So the paradox for me is that I completely admire that moral grounding and that knowledge of who he is and that confidence I also think that that's his weakness. I think he has some real blind spots because of it. And I think they're intentional. You know, I think to get where he is, he has had to mm-hmm. really kind of cast aside everything and trust his instinct and trust his vision. So I understand why this exists. But I have a real problem with some of the results of that. Um, you say Obamacare is necessary. I think the Affordable Care Act is hugely problematic. What I think is necessary is an attempt to work on health care. 100% agree with that. But I think that a, an over 2,000-page law 
um, that no one read and that has created all kinds of problems administratively. And I don't deny that more people have health insurance today. I'm concerned about whether that will continue to be true over the next couple of years, especially as we're learning that United Healthcare is pulling out of the exchanges. And I think there'll be a yeah, ton of fallout that. from that. We should probably do an entire Affordable Care Act episode at some point because goodness knows it's complex enough. Um, but his unilateral actions in terms of foreign policy have concerned me. You know, there's been a general lack of transparency. And I think that he doesn't intend that, you know, I think it's more that he trusts himself and he trusts his team. And can't mm-hmm. everybody just have the confidence that they're doing their best. But I really feel that he missed an opportunity to transform government through transparency. And that's in every respect from the executive actions on immigration to the expanded use of drones. There are just lots of areas and and access of the press to what's going on in the administration. There are lots of areas where I think he could have modernized the presidency in the way that he might have envisioned before getting there and recognizing that there's a lot of naivete in that, right? But but that's what he's about, his optimism and that leadership. And I think he could have done some of those big, scary, hard things in ways that might have felt smaller, but would have been more significant in the long run historically. So, you know, I have a lot of criticism of him, but I think the root of my criticism comes from the same place that my praise does as well. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15.
there's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Yeah, I totally um, understand where you're coming from. I think that and I think he sees that. I think you heard it in the State of the Union that he said, you know, he sort of wished um, that it hadn't, the, the division had not become so polarizing. I think you're right. I think he thinks in his head, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> you know, give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. But there is a part of me, you know, when this is why I come to his defense and Hillary's defense, just because I think they have to inhibit such a difficult space. And I think that they probably have a pretty fine-tuned defense mechanism when it comes to that. So I, I, I don't know the line, if you're President Obama or you're Hillary Clinton, between, you know, listening to the other side and understanding when Mitch McConnell says my only priority is to get rid of President Obama, that, like, what are you going to do? You know, like, you just have to do the best you can. I don't know, you know, I don't personally know every member of Congress, and I don't know if especially in the beginning, President Obama, if he had, you know, really reached out and formed some relationships, if things could have been different. But we're not, I mean, it's not Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan anymore. That's not the Washington, D.C. that exists currently. I wish it was, but it's not. And so I think that, you know, him changing any of his attitudes toward working with the other side is dependent on the other side working well with him. And I'm just not sure that there are many... Um, congressional Republicans that were willing to do that. I think there were a lot that were blatantly unwilling to do that. So I don't know. I think that's true. I think that's a little bit different than what I'm talking about, though, because while I have a problem with the not working with Congress, even if that continued to exist, I think that he has not been as open of a president. No, no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you read this stuff all the time about the sort of the freedom from information acts and people have to file. And like you said, the, um, and really even the press complains about it pretty often about his sort of unwillingness to be really open. But again, I don't know if that comes from a, you know, that's why Hillary is like that. It's not because she has, people think she has something to hide. And I don't think that's it at all. I think she's learned the hard way. I cannot do that. They will twist. They will take, they will, you know, I can't, I can't be transparent. They'll take anything they can and turn it into something that's not. They'll take something that's not there and make it something. And I don't know if President Obama sort of has a similar approach. You can see him um, sort of loosening up in the last, like, year or two, like, doing Mark Maron and doing all these things that I felt like are very 
sort of more transparent and making himself out there. But um, it's just so hard, I think, when you're in a position like them to to say, you know, oh, you should do this or you should be more open or you should be more transparent or you should take more interviews because, you know, they've lived it and they know what once we do, nothing good comes of it. So what's your uh, disappointment or criticism of President Obama? I'm not going <laughs> to let you filibuster your way out of that. <laughs> oh, OK. Um, I agree that I still agree that he could have been more transparent. I, I don't know. I think him and his team are smart enough that they could have figured out a way to do that. I don't think that he, I mean, honestly, if I'm being real honest, I wish he, I don't know, the ACA was such a battle, but I feel like he could have pushed a little bit more when he had Congress on his side. Um, and actually, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I don't really think he went, I don't think he's gone far enough with race relations. I think that um, he could have um, gone a little bit further, you know, and... I think he saw his duty as keeping everybody calm, particularly, you know, as sort of Ferguson got fired up. And I think that was important, but I think there was a way for him to really um, step out and be a strong voice um, in that movement. And I don't know if he has plans to do that once his presidency is over and he just didn't feel like it was appropriate, but I think he could have done more for race relations. Well, so thinking about the next president, and and I'm not going to make this necessarily an individual because to be perfectly honest with you, there are no probable outcomes of this race that I can get excited about, but whoever the next president is, I I would hope that person would build on just the, the sort of integrity and, and way the Obamas carried themselves in office, because I do Mm -hmm. think that's a great representation for the world. Well, and and I think that's why his approval ratings have gone up in the last couple of months. As we get deeper into the primary, people are like, you know what? (laughs) You're not so bad. I mean, he's over 50%. He's higher than George Bush was at this point. When you think about the alternatives and all Mm -hmm. the baggage that all of those people carry, it's it's difficult to imagine that the White House will be as sort of blissfully calm as it's been over the last eight years, whatever the outcome is. So I, I hope that he, that people will see like, hey, this was kind of nice, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and keep that up. Um, and, and then in terms of kind of where I would like to see the next president work harder, it is really transparency. It, it's being mindful of opposing views and it, I desperately want uh, the branches of government to function more harmoniously instead of adversarially. I I want the appropriate tension that I think the founders built in. I mean, we we forget sometimes that it is supposed to be this way a little bit. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, so I want that appropriate tension. But I but I would like to see more cooperation, of course. But I would really love to see the next president when you just think about technology and the era in which we live, I would like to see a president really say, hey, to the extent that it is safe and appropriate, you can know everything about your government that you want to know. Let's really make some sense of all of this. Let's not have anything that's so complex that you can't understand it. Let's stop having legislation that no one could possibly read. You know, let's put everything out there on the internet. Let's allow people to access government services uh, through their portable devices, you know, let's let's put government literally in your hands where we can. I think, 
I think that would be revolutionary in so many ways and in so many bipartisan ways. I think there are so many things government could be doing. We talked about this on the crazy, crazy moderate episode. Whatever your philosophical differences are, there are so many ways that I think we could all agree on to just do government better. So mm-hmm. I would love to see our next leader focus there. Absolutely. Well, and I would think, I would like to see, I feel like this would only come from one side. I'm, being, I'm losing all my nuance on this briefcase. But I just keep thinking of Ann Richards' quote, you know, when I die, I don't want people to say I had a clean house. I wanted to say she opened government to more people. I want the U.S. government to look like Justin Trudeau's, that awesome picture he took. I want us, I want ours to look like that. I want it to look like, you know, every color, creed, gender. I really would like government more open to the diversity of the American people. See, I just really don't understand why that could only come from one side. Like, I, I want that, too. I mean, I don't. I meant the candidates, Beth, not the parties. I don't think J- Donald Trump's going to be like, you know what I want to do when I'm president. <laughs> That's what I meant. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I get that. Like, <laughs> but but honestly, you know what? Donald Trump could be surprising there because he's a business person, and I think business people are coming around to understanding that there is huge economic benefit to diversity. There just is, right. you know. So I don't know. I I would love that too. I think that's a good goal. Yeah, we keep threat. I, I put it on Facebook. I want to do a whole episode of Justin Trudeau. He's like something out of an Aaron Sorkin movie. I swear to God. Well, and another thing I want for our next president is to be able to speak articulately on a variety of topics because seeing, I think this has been a nice thing about President Obama too. You you never like worry like does is he really going to know like what he's talking yeah. about here? Mm-hmm. And boy, the Canadians are lucky in that regard. <sighs> Yeah, what was he talking about? What, what, what did I? I don't even remember. Oh, it's quantum so, physics. Just quantum yeah, physics. That's quantum right. computing. Mm-hmm. wasn't even quantum physics, which I couldn't speak on either. I didn't even know quantum computing was a thing. But he explained it really well. I kind of Amazing. understood it after he talked about it, I yeah. thought. Enough. Yeah. Justin Trudeau, come be on our show. You're super hot. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of The Briefcase. Spotty. That's a good, that's a, yeah, that's a good ending. Spotty and nuance. Yeah, it has been. Sorry, y'all. Oh, so we hope that you will continue to talk with us on Facebook and Twitter. Your feedback is super important to us. Uh, we got a primer out on elections. So if you um, don't feel comfortable right now with sort of the way the primaries work and the general election work and campaign finance works, that might be a quick 17-minute way to um, fill in some gaps before our Tuesday episode on election reforms. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Bye.